0: So I, I yeah. think what is in, interesting with DeFi is you've got so many things happening so fast and, and you know, they're, they're not all going to work. And there's, there's a few scams thrown in amongst there and a yes. the few that will collapse. But that saying that it's DeFi as, as the concept is offering so many new ideas and, and innovations. And there's so many incredibly smart people working in that space and and things are changing so fast. I heard it mentioned somewhere that soon DeFi will just be Fi instead of being known as decentralized finance, that will just be finance and that will be how finance works. Exactly right. And I I think the conversation will be how, not just how DeFi startups can work with or use sort of traditional finance companies, but also how traditional finance companies could learn a few things from DeFi. So I think what would be interesting to see is how the two actually end up working together
1: Hello, dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of the Want Money Got Money Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kamani, and today my guest is Erica Stanford. Erica is the author of Crypto Wars: Fake Deaths, Missing Millions, and Industry Disruptions. She is also the founder of Cryptocurrency Club, an in-person club for people interested in cryptocurrency based in the UK she's also a speaker and a blockchain industry reviewer so today we are going to talk about everything to do with crypto cryptocurrencies blockchain and what are the new innovations in this space so let's get into it and let's welcome Erica to the show yeah erica it's great to have you on the show welcome to the show would um, love to know a bit about um what you do and and how you got involved with all these different crypto projects whether it's the crypto curry club or writing your own book but let's first start with a bit, bit about your background and how, what made you get interested in everything with crypto
0: yeah sam thank you for having me on how i got interested in crypto. um, as a few years ago now, I I think that sort of the main lessons for me or the main sort of forming points for me had been I'd I'd lived in Buenos Aires in in Argentina during the economic crash there during the the 2008 period and then spent another summer uh, around then just traveling around Guatemala. I used to to spend summers during during my uni uh, times uh, traveling whenever I could and what was the key in, in guatemala i was going off off piste a little bit traveling alone and got mugged about four times in a row and spent uh, that that meant i had no cards left i think every credit card or bank card or whatever i had on me even traveler's checks back in those days had been mugged so i spent the rest of the summer relying on western union and that involves sort of going you have to walk a few miles to the nearest one and i called my dad who kindly sent me money and, and then you have to wait three days until it uh, arrives and it costs 14%. And I remember, you know, thinking that that's an awful, a- awful lot of delay and awful lot of money. And there was just no other way to get money. I think that was back in 2007 in, in, in those times. So I, I remember thinking this really isn't ideal and that was literally the only way to get money and that you've got a lot of people around the world who don't have access to, to, to banking who have to, to literally rely on these type of remittance companies and, yeah. and pay an awful lot of money and then the stats are you've got a third of the world's population about 2.5 billion people around the world who, who don't have access yes. to, to banking because it's just not seen as being economically viable for banks to serve those people that has had stuck with me and then remittance companies charge up to about 30 percent I think the average now is seven percent but it, it can be awfully high Oof. which is an awful lot of pe- money for people who, who, who you know, one or sort of maximums of $10 often a day and have to send that money home to a to family to support families. Often every day mm-hmm. there has to be a transaction of which they're paying such a high percentage. So that had stuck with me. So when I heard about crypto and the benefit of crypto, one of the main benefits of crypto is that you can send really small transactions instantly. You don't have to rely on anyone. You don't have to walk to a Western Union office. You don't have to pay really high percentages a lot <laughs> yes. of the time, you you can just send these transactions or, almost for free in some cases, pretty much instantly in, yes. in other cases, and without having to rely on anyone at all. So that sort of hit me and you start playing around and you see how, not, not how easy to use it is, but how quickly one can send these transactions without having to rely on anyone. So I just saw that an awful lot of use cases for that and just started geeking out and reading everything I could on that so fast forward a little bit I wanted to meet other people in the space and find out what else was going on so I started going to all of the events and networking events and talks and meetups and so forth that were in London on the subject and there were some that were very good but but rather technical and I'm not so technical technically minded but other networking events were were often as not just in the sort of the boom time. What well, often is not where the L's pitches for scams or we had people paying to speak to audiences. were yes. Where, you know, it not so much fun and you're sat in rows listening and then they say, well, go network and, you know, I'm relatively outgoing to a degree, but if you don't know people in the room and they say go up to Total Strangers and start talking to them, that was certainly not something I was good at doing. So I'd been previously just to a, it was a curry dinner but for um, the real estate industry, curries, is the national food in the UK. It's the most eaten here. It's a very sociable food yes. for sharing. So we have lots of curry dinners. And, and specifically, it was a Christmas curry. So specifically around Christmas, you're often invited to a, a good Christmas curry, as, as is traditional in the UK. So I do I, I, I remember that, you know, we, we, I was at this event and it was a Christmas curry, but for the real estate industry you had... Groups of people sat around sharing a load of food together. A- and it was really sociable and really easy to start talking to people just because you sat around. You can't not talk to yeah. people if you're asking them to please pass an naan bread or whatever it is. So I, I-, I just thought well, this yes. is a good idea and would be good for the tech industry. And Cryptocurry was the logical and only possible yeah. name. So the, the Cryptocurry Club started. So we've now got, I think, some main uh, crypto community. In in the UK, which until lockdown was based rather fun in-person events with groups of people leading the way in crypto and running the the various companies and and funds and corporations that are using crypto or blockchain or fintech and and all getting together. And since lockdown, this has expanded on a rather more virtual note. So we we started this this community and then fast track a little bit. One of the last speakers we had before lockdown was Jamie Bartlett from the, the BBC's Missing Crypto Queen podcast series and the guy's just incredible and, and has yeah. the most incredible podcast series and i'm very jealous of his skill in putting that together and i you know asked him if he might please be willing to speak one time at one of our events and you know thankfully he agreed and came and spoke and just gave the most incredible talk and that sort of opened up people to talk about some of the other crypto scams that they'd seen and tried to stop and so forth and a little bit later, I ended up writing yes. the, the Crypto Wars book about all of the, the biggest hacks and scams in crypto.
1: Oh, I've got so much to, <laughs> to talk about and ask about those sort of things. But let's just first start with your experience about sending money or, or receiving money from a developing country or an emerge in an emerging market and all that. And look, I cannot agree more. I've faced all those sort of things. So we are currently developing a platform called insider where people go and it's pretty much we want to teach more people about crypto and just so they can dip their feet without even risking any money. And while we are building this platform, I hired a couple of developers, one developer in Nigeria and one developer as in Azerbaijan. And the hardest thing is you cannot pay them. You can't use PayPal. You can't use Stripe. You can't use so many different things. We we couldn't use so many different things. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. We had to jump through so many different hoops. And easiest thing, they all wanted to be paid in, in a in some form of a cryptocurrency, wow. whether it's Ethereum or Bitcoin or something like that, because it is so pain-free. And then I have a designer I've used in in Philippines, and I paid him via PayPal. And if I pay him thirty dollars, the fees would be eight dollars. So, yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. So it's it's crazy, and and it still happens. And it's I can see the case for crypto just right there. And and just because the, another reason for them not getting paid in in USD, or not USD, but the Argentinian peso or something, is because they don't know. They've had 60% inflation last 12 months or something <laughs> yeah. like that. So they don't know what their would be, currency would be worth a month down the track. So they don't want that risk. So you can see, and just with the news recently in El Salvador, I think every citizen is going to get $30 worth of bitcoin or something like that is that right did i hear that right yeah that is a big news because once people own something or once people take participate in some way they get more interested and they're more likely to learn about it so i think it's a very cool thing that they are are doing there the other thing that that you talked about about how it makes it so much easier but then when things do get easier it does attract a certain type of Cloud as well. And then in 2017, I tried, I dip my um, feet in crypto and even made like a blockchain based project where you could mine at Monet, which is one of the coins of from your browser using your CPU instead of your GPU. Mm-hmm. And even at that time, I did buy some different cryptocurrencies and took part in all that. And it did increase quite a bit in at end of 2017, early 2018. But then I left quite a bit of it on different exchanges and three of those exchanges closed down. One right. of that was in New Zealand. So I'm based currently in New Zealand and it was Cryptopia. And so those sort of things can happen. So if it's not in your wallet, if it's on an exchange, the exchange can just run away. And just recently I found out about there's one in South Africa, the three guys in South Africa ran away yeah, with 3.6 billion 2, 3 worth 3. of Bitcoin. Just, yeah, the two brothers. Yeah. billion and then they tweeted something like, or they just left a message, have fun being poor or something like that and just ran away, disappeared.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's, it's
1: terrible and and yeah there are people are looking for them and stuff but yeah. it, it does happen and yeah, i think your book is quite timely and i'm sure have what are in your view what are the good ways of finding what are the how do you differentiate if a project is good from a bad how do you know if like it's a if it's a shit coin or there is going to be real utility in future or a future for that coin or that project or that exchange or
0: yeah. I it think it's a question so often asked. And the, the, the thing is, in, in crypto, it's, it's yes. in that there have been a number of, of crypto projects, of cryptocurrencies that have, especially during the ICO era, that were some of them were very good and, and some of them were downright scams from the start and others were varying levels of grave going from just not a very good business plan to opportunistic, maybe had good intentions and then didn't want to, know, didn't know what to do with the money, so ran away to the outright scam. So you, you've got every level in the crypto project. But I think the main problem I, I, I would say in crypto is not so much the, the cryptocurrencies, but some of the opportunistic infrastructures built around the ecosystem that in some ways isn't really much to do with, with crypto. It's a crypto exchange. It's... The, the wallets, it's the Ponzi schemes that sort of around, operate around the space, where in, in many ways the scams take different forms, but it's the same sort of thing, you know, send us, your, send us your Bitcoin, send us your money and we'll double it or send us your Bitcoin and we've got this mining equipment so we'll mine it and you'll get really high profits guaranteed or send us your Bitcoin and it will trade it uh, we've got this, this automated bot that will trade it for you and you'll get x returns guaranteed back or send us your crypto and we'll store it safely on our exchange and you'll get better returns or you'll get cheaper rates or whatever it is and it's it's all much of the same because it's all various ways of getting people to send over their crypto send over their their money and promising yes various things and then not sending it back and there's all these different ponzi schemes that are still operating and and the problem is is with the scams. They they offer or they promise or they guarantee these high returns, and and returns. you know everybody says well, if it's too good to be true, uh, avoid it. But almost the problem is in crypto because you've got this huge volatility, and, and some of the, the the cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, for yes. example, have gone up so much in value from their earliest times. Yes, the returns offered by the scams are too good to be true. But yes, they've also happened in real life with legitimate projects. yes. So the, the scams really play yes. on that, and, and they make all these claims. And they, they say they've got these partnerships with these card issuers, or with these banks, or with these governments, or with these regulators, or these accelerators, or whatever it is. A- and they make these totally fraudulent claims. But it's hard sometimes to know yes. what is true and what isn't. Because it's hypothetically possible yes. that, that it would be true. So you've got these really clever scams who have access to huge amounts of money, who hire the best people in in, in marketing and communications and multi-level marketing and so forth, who are really good at persuading yes. people to send over their money. So I, I think the problem, in, yes, there have been a lot of scams, cryptocurrencies and, and opportunistic cryptocurrencies that had no value. And I think the statistic is that... 98% of the cryptocurrencies from the ICO era were either scams or, yes. or were bad or useless or basically crashed to, to zero. So for the investors, it doesn't really yes. make much difference if it was just a bad project or hit by the market or it was a scam because they still lost their money. But I think that the problem in crypto now is yeah. it is more opportunists taking advantage of of the ecosystem like those exchanges who've recently accumulated people's money and and then disappeared and just shows how careful you have to be but uh, you asked about how to spot it if any project of says anything about a a a guaranteed return or it promises x amount of return or that is it's illegal to say it's impossible to say the best sort of trading funds in the world can't offer guarantees it's not possible to predict the future so anything where there's a sort of a guarantee yes. or a promise for a return steer clear and it, especially in crypto it, it, it's the, the sort of the adage is if you don't hold the private keys to your crypto then it is not your crypto and in exactly. crypto, there are ways of holding your crypto where you have direct control over it where effectively nobody can take it away from you if you store it securely offline for example and keep hold of your private keys but if you're sending your crypto into an exchange then that exchange has access to your crypto now those exchanges and some offer degrees of security and and some it seems that their intention is entirely to separate their users from their crypto but if you're sending your crypto to anyone you almost have to consider it lost So be very careful of of anyone asking you to send you crypto, I I think is possibly a summary.
1: Yeah, 100% um, agree. And and that's why it's like when we built our platform, we were very careful. We don't want to, we didn't want to become like an exchange. We didn't want to become like a wallet. We didn't want to provide anything like a bot that, you know, trades on your behalf. We We don't want it to... We wanted to remove risk for people so people can still learn about it without really investing. And and that's what, yeah, I believe a lot of the things you were saying. I was thinking about BitConnect back in the days, like in the ICO era, and just everyone. There's so many copycat projects of that one as well. And yeah, the. The one that we are just talking about just now, the the two brothers in Africa, it was hmm. AfriCrypt, and I think right. it was also an it was also an exchange, and it was around two point five billion pounds that they vanished with, and stuff. But yeah, it is it is a interesting. What are your thoughts on the Binance network and USD Tether? I USD
0: T. They, two different things. I think the the Tether. I'm personally be very cautious of that there certainly has never been any proof that it is 100% backed by the the US dollar had been initially claimed. And the latest that they revealed were a few pie charts that indicated, I think it said it was about 3% cash back, if I've I've got that correct. So I I think there's been an awful lot of tethers created and there's no exactly That's evidence what of think. what they're backed by so i'd personally be very cautious yes. and I I'd, a lot of people in the industry are very cautious and certainly wouldn't touch because
1: yes. i feel like even in 20 2017 2018 i think the same thing happened a lot of the tether wasn't backed a lot of the thing that Got pumped in the market. I, I thought that's what kind of did bring the prices down, but I could be wrong. I saw those same pie charts that you're talking about as well, and I don't know how much to trust a lot of the things on the internet and how much not to. I don't know what's true and what's not sometimes.
0: The, the assumption within uh, at least large parts of the, the Crypto community and what we hear in our sort of Cryptocurry Club WhatsApp group is that a, yes. a lot of people trust Tepper and uh, there's no evidence that it's backed by anything at all and it's remarkable how much has been printed i think it's 55 billion dollars yes. so I, I i don't know i think watch this space on that one it'll be very interesting to see what happens finance yeah. i mean that there's a different scenario i mean that there's been you know, i know they,
1: they are huge they have a massive they, ecosystem of they, its,
0: they its own are, <laughs> they are huge and there, there's been rumors that how they operators is, is slightly grey and so forth i don't know enough about how they operate but either way the the, the uk regulator has stepped in and, and banned that and maybe there's some things that will come out that but that we don't know about yet that aren't yet in the public eye i think that'll be yeah. very interesting to see but either way there has been the the, the uk regulator there's a number of companies, like Celsius recently. Celsius. I've said that they're leaving the UK to set up in the US instead of the UK. I think it was Celsius. I'd have to double-check that. But there's been a few crypto companies are leaving the UK, and I think that the the UK regulation isn't helping anything. And of course, they're dealing with Corona and they're dealing with Brexit and the calamity that that was. So perhaps they're under-resourced. Either way, what I think is is a shame. Is that the, the UK has traditionally been seen as a fintech hub and a hub of of talent and until lockdown London was really a hotbed of innovation and of tech and of so much happening in the space and of people leaving really good jobs in the city and in finance and defense and so forth to work in these crypto startups and it was everything was happening so fast and and London was really attracting an awful lot of talent from around the world as a fintech hub and obviously we've had lockdown so I've basically not been in the city for a year and a half so it's hard to really gauge what has happened since lockdown but it, it yes. does seem that and, and for what people say it does seem that lo- that london is losing its sort of edge as a, a fintech hub and that people and, and companies are, are yes. in some cases leaving the uk as fast as possible because of brexit but also because it, it it's it's it seems that regulation is perhaps hindering in, innovation a little bit
1: yeah, 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 I have it seems like it. I'm quite far from that. Every government, every country is looking at at regulation and no one knows exactly how to approach it. It feels like that to me. Everyone is scrambling to make something for it, for, for crypto and don't know how to deal with it, to allow it, to not allow it, to, because they are worried that their tax revenues will get affected if they allow it, but if they cannot really avoid it because that's the future, all sorts of things going on. It, it feels like it. Talking about, about blockchain and, and DeFi and Uniswap and PancakeSwap and all these sort of, um, swap platforms. Do you mm. have any, any views or what are your thoughts about all those?
0: Oh gosh. I think
1: Yeah, DeFi just DeFi and all these like all these swap platforms like Uniswap, PancakeSwap. I, I, all
0: okay, my, my thoughts about all the swap where every platform has a different food related name. I'm slightly skeptic. I, I, I think there's been a lot of hype out that there's been a lot of excitement about it. It's slightly reminiscent of the ICO era. Yes. So we'll see what happens. Yes. Do I expect them all to survive uh, and, and do well? No, not by any definition of the word. So I, I think we'll see. But that saying, I, I, I think what what is interesting in DeFi is it's there's so many interesting sort of technologies and things happening there. Around what is possible with money, the tokenization of, of assets and loans and borrowing against it and the staking yes. and all that. So there's so many new sort of innovations happening and being worked on. And what is interesting, you've got these various sort of startups and these companies almost out of thin air, and and working on these sort of yes. monetary innovations. And at the moment, I think mean, you've got traditional finance. It is notorious or almost for being slow to innovate. And you've got some of the, the traditional banks that are losing out massively because sort of anyone my age and will go to one of the challenger banks because they are actually offer a user experience as opposed to the traditional banks where the, 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 the user experience is, is phenomenally yes. bad. So yeah. I think what is in- interesting with DeFi is you've got so many things happening so fast and and, you know they're they're not all going to work and there's there's a few scams thrown in amongst her, and a few that will collapse but that's saying that it's DeFi as as the concept is offering so many new ideas and and innovations and there's so many incredibly smart people working in that space and, and things are changing so fast. I heard it mentioned somewhere that soon DeFi will just be Fi instead of being known as decentralized finance, that will just be finance and that will be how finance works. Exactly right. And I I think the conversation will be how not just how DeFi startups can work with or use sort of traditional finance companies, but also how traditional finance companies could learn a few things from DeFi. So I think what would be interesting to see is how the two actually end up working together.
1: That that is yeah, very interesting. The like there are two schools of thoughts. One school of thought is, or oh, oh, this is just what I have seen, just this is from my own personal experience. But one is where you see that back in the days, lots of, there were a lot more currencies. Just taking example, I'm originally born and brought up in India. And mm-hmm. in India, there were lots of states, each state, each city had its own currency. Eventually all got into one, just one currency for the yeah. whole 1.4 billion people same in us back in the days there was also like silver back, not only green back and other currencies and stuff and then eventually it just came down to just one and then so the world has less and less sort of currencies over time will that sort of i don't know consolidation happen in in the world of cryptocurrency as well because right now there's over 10,000 coins no one in their right mind can remember all of them and then To able to trade, we both have to have the same coin. So then, eventually, people go to the top ten, one of the top ten, and then swap around. And then there's the other school. Yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. Go go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And then the other school of thought is just, there's so many SAS products these days and there's be more and more born. Like even right now we are using a completely new product that I've found for podcasting and all this called Riverside. And then I use Descript for editing and I use like three, four different SAS products I pay for, for a podcast and stuff. And I'm just in marketing there's tens of thousands of SaaS products and a lot of them are doing really well. And they can continue to run as a small company for 10, 15 years or a long time, which is a a different type of ecosystem which allows lots of small players so I don't know whether in the cryptocurrency side do you see a world where there will be thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of currencies coins or do you see one where there'll be just one or two somewhere in between yeah, I don't know I
0: think there's, there's two lines of thought on that as you say currently if you look on coin yes. cap at the moment there's over 10,000 different cryptocurrencies, which is is frankly a little bit crazy. Mm. And I'd wager I don't know what percentage of them are actually being used and actively used and serve a real world purpose. But that percentage is going to be in the single digits. The vast majority of of them, like we've seen with the ICO era and and crypto projects, are going to be opportunistic projects that that have no use case whatsoever in the problem in crypto. It's so easy to basically just copy open source code and Create a, a name and pay a freelancer to create a website and a logo and list the coin and, and yes. you know, write a few sentences or copy a few sentences from another project of, of what the that that project purports yes. to do and, and Bob's your uncle you've got a, a, a cryptocurrency and, and so the vast majority of, of those have yeah. absolutely no use and, and use case so I think it, it will come down to a, a, a number of 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 cryptocurrencies, either ones like Bitcoin, for example, or and I think realistically national governments will end up having their own digital versions of of, of their currencies because it's easier for them to track and control their citizens and block their citizens having access to money and whatever it is that governments want to do and and how that will end up playing out will will depend upon the intentions of the government and and then you've also got the, the other stable coin projects such as what Facebook have been looking to do and as yet I what will end up happening with their sort of stable currency project but you've got this you do have a concept that with cryptocurrency you can send transactions almost for free and, and instantly online so there is a real use case for having a stable International currency, where you can pay one p to listen to a song, or pay one p or one cent, or whatever it is, to to read an yes. article, or or to pay a freelancer, or to pay remote workers, or so forth. So there is a, a real benefit for having an international, stable digital currency that sort of gets rid of the whole forex cost and transaction costs and all of that. The moment banks and regulators are, are working out how to practically make that happen and worried about that central banks will lose their their purpose and how it will work with tax and that's being worked out and then there's the other line of thought that some companies will each want to have their own cryptocurrency to basically replace the loyalty points thing and at the moment you've got at Least before lockdown, quite often, if you go into shop and you buy a coffee or whatever it is, you get a physical card and yes. they give you a little stamp of, of how many coffees you've bought. And once you've Spinkle. bought nine coffees, or whatever you get exactly, and you end up with a whole pair of these little cards of shops that yes. you have only ever gone once, exaggerating slightly. But it's not the best user experience, it, it can be cheated. The, the system, if, if so desired, so. You know, the, there's an argument that cryptocurrencies will end up replacing the loyalty card. Uh, and then it goes back to, do you want to have a, a, a different app or a different currency for every shop you go into? No, uh, actually not. So would it be better to have one communal uh, reward currency? Yes, yes, possibly. I think at the moment, we're still in a stage of things are changing so fast and, and companies and brands are getting excited by the potential of this. So I think for now, I imagine we'll see more currencies being created because everyone's trying to get into the bandwagon but I I imagine as a sort of a sustainable way for things to go forward there has to be some form of consolidation and relatively stable-ish digital currencies that can be used for rewards or for payments or for remittances or microtransactions or whatever that is That, that just mean that you don't end up having to pay 14% 14% every time you want to send a remittance transaction or, or high percentages every time you want to send yeah. money abroad for. So.
1: Or even worse, $1,500 in gas fees per transaction or something no, like exactly, that. <laughs> yes. exactly. I mean,
0: that's another um, consideration. Some of the, the cryptocurrencies are the older ones. There's still some work to do before they are viable as being used for sort of currencies to to make every sort of type of payment in because they're inefficient and expensive and so forth but i i see there's so many smart yes. people working in it and changes are happening so fast
1: absolutely
0: so i i don't see that as yes. being a, a long-term problem i'm sure that will
1: problem yes absolutely yeah absolutely i 100 percent agree with yeah, with your sentiment on on that and we were just talking about coin coin market cap in mm-hmm. fact even coin market cap is owned by binance owns so much it's like yeah. it's a it's a giant yeah it's very interesting and even for us it's like well we have been adding thinking of adding like a utility token on our platform but we want to make sure there is the need for it and it will be used mm-hmm. and then we were looking at oh ethereum if you go it it's more people have more use they are used to it but then it's quite expensive, the gas fees for if people want to use it on the sure. sort of game that we're building, and binance it's like using b instead of e r c twenty using b e p twenty or something like that it's but then I'm a bit always a bit skeptical of i don't know if binance has so many because the barriers to entry are lower everyone has gone out and made a coin of their own and that's why we have every man and his dog owns a coin mm-hmm. and pretty much eh, there are lots of dogs mm-hmm. as well <laughs> you see there but yeah having said that before we finish i have just these sort of three quick questions it's in is there a book that you are reading apart from your it's own certainly
0: your- not reading really my own book. right if i think i spent enough time on that that i'm happy not to read that one again although if, if everyone else can that would be wonderful <laughs> is there a book that i'm reading not at the moment i i just read one by Dave Asprey about fasting and the different methods and, and concepts and psychology yeah. behind fasting. And I've got one in my cupboard that I've been eyeing up that I started reading a while ago and sort of didn't get around to finishing by a, 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 a chap who spoke at our Criticary Club, a really interesting guy who works as a, a researcher and journalist for the BBC in part. It's called Death of the Gods, a guy called Carl Miller, and it. it's talking about how technology is almost becoming the new obsession and, and religion and he's done some really interesting research into that. So and that's one I've been yeah. eyeing up to start.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. It's, he should look into the Church of Bitcoin maximalists. Into um, the what, sorry? The, it's a, into the Church of Bitcoin maximalists. No. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I'm just
1: kidding. It's okay. just like it's pretty much like a. It is like a cult. It is. I feel like it
0: when you talk to people about Bitcoin or Ethereum. Some of the sort of the more diehard people are are, are rather opinionated way yes. or the
1: other. Yes, they are very passionate. Let's just yeah because it's more than a it's more than a currency for them it's a movement for them, it signifies a lot stronger it's mm. a political belief, but it's all good it's all good it's there's all types of people so yeah for me it's I want to see okay what's the utility where can it be used all that but yeah, all good and then the thing is where do you see in in four or five years time where do you see i know it is still so early i feel like we're still in early days of the whole crypto and the blockchain sort of phenomenon but where do you see it going
0: i i what i i do think and we've got so many incredibly smart people moving into the space and also when you look at take up and, and adoption it's from the the younger generations those people who've grown up with social yes. media and and influencers and all of that. So I, I do think that within, yes. say, five years, we, we'll be sending, maybe we won't be using WhatsApp by then, maybe the world will have gone away from Facebook, but we'll be sending crypto to each other in the same way as you would send a photo on, on WhatsApp. I think the, the, the naming yes. service concept is is really taking off. So where... You you don't have to go through all the complicated setup processes and have a a Bitcoin address to send your crypto or whatever to. I think it will pretty much be, I've got your email address or I've got your, I can verify that blue tick. Yes, it's you. And then if I want to send you something, I can just go into my phone book or into my contact list or whatever on WhatsApp or whatever other messaging platform we're using then. I could send you a photo or send you a video or send you a message or send you an audio file or send you money just to yes. your name. So I, I think there's already a few various different startups working on that concept. So I, I, I think very much that sending cryptocurrency, now that might be realistically sort of stable currencies or it might be different cryptocurrencies related to companies. But I think very soon, within the next few years, we'll be able to send money just to the SAM that I've got in my phone book. And I know it's you because that will have been checked. And you'll be able to send you one P or 10 cents or 10 pounds or however much more at almost no transaction Mm -hmm. fee. So I I think the user experience will be the next thing that will really be improved upon because almost it's the last thing that has been worked on in in, in crypto, this technology to send, you know, you can send micro amounts, you you can send fractions of a cent or or I think the recent, there was a recent transaction, I think they sent a billion dollars for seven for a cost of seven dollars which just you know these these things simply aren't possible I know with fiat currencies and you know the the speed at which you can send transactions now and the traceability and the transparency and all of that's all been worked on and it's actually incredible how fast these things have been evolving but the the user experience of crypto is is lacking I think to, to be diplomatic and, yes. and, and that 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 will come. absolutely and, and until now in the early yeah. days crypto really was the preserve of technologists but now it's mainstream and everybody's asking about it and you'll have the young people and teenagers and so forth just growing up with this so i think that the user experience yes. will be soon incredibly within a few years oh, so I, I think that will be the, the biggest Change and what I'd like to see, and what I'd hope to see, I don't know how realistic this is, but at the moment, there's still so much focus on the hype and on the volatility and on the trading aspects, on the it's worth X and then yes. drops to Y and whatever. I, I like to think at least that some of the focus will go away from the volatility and the trading side and more focus on the ac- use cases and on the actual sort of payment side,
1: technology side, yeah. and yes, well, just pay- on the, on yeah, the actual
0: yeah. payment and, and side. the
1: user interface side that makes so much sense finally tell us about about your book crypto wars and how can people buy it pre-order it how can they find out about you how can they get in contact with you what's the best way what's the best channel
0: yeah thank you very much how, how to find out more we've got the the Curry club website so that's just www.cryptocurryclub.com curry like the time type of food or email hello at cryptocurryclub.com uh, and the book, it's, it's called Crypto Wars, Fake Deaths, Missing Billions and Industry Disruption. So that's out soon. I think it's out this Saturday on the 3rd of July in the UK and I think a few weeks later in the rest of the world. Right. That's uh, available on Amazon yes. and at any good booksellers. If there is a, a good independent bookseller near you, please do go and support them rather than uh, just supporting Amazon. I appreciate that Amazon is easier, but it, yes. it should be available from other booksellers as well. So that's just
1: crypto wars. Oh, that's fantastic. So this um, episode will go out around it in exactly four weeks. And so, yeah, by that time, the book should be out. What I will do is I'm going to put all these links. So if you're listening, if you are watching, you'd see all the links in the description, whichever platform this goes goes out and yep. Okay, this has been super entertaining and super informational at the same time. I always love talking about new technologies and cryptocurrency and blockchain and, and all the innovation happening around in the finance um, sector. So thank you so much for your time and yeah, wish you um, all the best for Crypto Wars and its success.
0: Thank you. so much for having me on
1: sam thank you so much for listening to this episode of want money got money with sam kamani hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business if you haven't already please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform it would be extremely helpful and i just cannot tell you how much i would appreciate that